This is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice, and we shall be glad in it. I want to give my appreciation to um, our praise leaders uh, for leading us in a wonderful devotional uh, service this morning. Amen, somebody. Listen, you put, listen, amen. Y'all tell them amen, because you put all that into a microphone. Amen, somebody. God bless them. Uh, for for all that uh, they have led us in this morning, and we really really want to uh, appreciate uh, appreciate them. Uh, Avenue F from Clarence Ross and family, we say thank you. Uh, when we started this journey uh, back in November, we were prayerful, and we know you were prayerful, and we believe God God has spoken. And we thank you, uh, we look forward uh, on this journey together to growing together, um, to going further together, um, and through showing the city of Plano and at large Dallas and the state of Texas that there is a church that loves the Lord in Plano, in Plano, Texas. I want to give my appreciation to the elders and as well as to the leaders of this congregation for the tireless hours, days, weeks spent in prayer and meeting and for all that they uh, have done. And this day, I want to give my appreciation to Brother Craig Christman. Amen. Give him a round of applause, church. Thank you. And we appreciate Brother Chrisman because Brother Chrisman has stood in the gap with this church. And through your minister search, he has stood in the pulpit and continued to proclaim and preach the truth of the gospel. And for that, Brother Chrisman, we say thank you and we appreciate you. Thank you. Funny story, Brother Chrisman, uh, we uh, oftentimes in, uh, I gotta tell this one. Uh, we have a, a big giveaway uh, down at Garden Oaks and uh, for, for the past three or four years where we reach out to the community and with a big event. And Brother Chrisman has been our speaker for that event for about three years now. Um, and I believe it was last year, we had a night to where a whole lot of folk that don't know church etiquette, you gotta catch that, okay, showed up. And uh, we were walking down front and, um, and I heard one of them say, I I'm just gonna run down front and grab the preacher. And I said, oh Lord, I said, okay, Brother Christmas. I don't want you to preach down there. You come on up in the pulpit and we gonna put you in the pulpit. And I said, I'm gonna sit over here on your side so that if anybody charge, I'm gonna get them first before they get to you. Brother Chrisman looked at me and he says, Brother Ross, let me tell you this. You know how he talks. Let me tell you this. If I get into a fight with a bat, pray for the bat. <laughs> I say, Brother Christmas, you can preach wherever you want to. <laughs> but, but, but we, um, 
we appreciate him. Not only him, but I want to give my appreciation to, uh, to uh, the Avenue F singing group that came down and told God notes up uh, in March Madness. And, li- and it, was, it was amazing. And y'all, I've been practicing. Amen. I've been practicing. I'm, I've been practicing. I've been going back and forth on YouTube watching. I'm practicing. All right. I'm going to sing with y'all. I'm going to sing with y'all one day. Not now, but I'm getting ready. <laughs> okay. All right. It, it, was, it was so good. Also, uh, we have some people here that are very close to me. And I know that they filled out visitors cards and you've already seen them, but I want for you to see three women that have touched my life for five years at the Garden Oaks Church. Um, would you, uh, Mabel Charles, Daphne Edwards, and um, uh, uh, um, um, help me. Uh, say it one more time, Sister Ross. Sister Benny Hayes, would you please stand up so we can, please stand. They went to the restroom, that's fine, but they, uh, they have been a source of encouragement to me. And listen, I want to give my appreciation to those who, I think it was the dentists that did the marriage boot camp yesterday. Uh, Sister Ross and I did not know if we were going to be able to attend because we did not have childcare. They drove up from Houston to keep our children. That's the kind of ladies they have always been in my ministry, and I want to let them know I appreciate them, and I, I love the support uh, that, um, that they have always uh, shown me. Thank you so much. Are you ready for the word this morning? James chapter number one is where we want to rendezvous. James chapter number one is where we want to gather our attention uh, this morning. James chapter one, beginning at verse number one. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, but if you have a reliable translation, you should have no problem following along with us. James chapter number one, beginning at verse number, verse number one. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, we send you greetings. Listen, he says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Go to verse 2 again. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. He says, and then let endurance have its perfect work that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I invite you to look at your neighbor sitting next to you and ask your neighbor, what are you made of? Look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't look at before. Yeah, that, that one, yeah. And ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor. 
what are you made of? There's a story told in the early 19th century that there was a business that was attempting to transport codfish from Boston on the East Coast to San Francisco on the West Coast. And in order to keep the fish fresh, they decided to put the fish on ice as they made this journey. But after the two month long journey, what they discovered when they made it from Boston to San Francisco was that the fish had spoiled because they had been on ice for two months. So then they came back together and gathered and they asked the question, what, what are we to do so that these fish will not spoil? And one person said, suggested, listen, fish swim in water. So then why don't we just fill up our boat with water and put the fish in what they naturally swim in? And they started their journey again from Boston to San Francisco. And what they discovered once again when they got to where they were going was that the fish, they were unfit for consumption uh, when, as they made this long journey. They came back together again and said, okay, the ice didn't get it. And what they normally swim in did not get it. They said, so what can we do to make sure that the fish stay fresh as they make a two-month journey from Boston to San Francisco? One of the people that you never thought would have opened his mouth opened his mouth and he says, listen, why don't we put some catfish in the water with the codfish? He says, because catfish are codfish's natural predator. What did they discover? They discovered when they got from Boston to San Francisco that the fish were not only healthy, but they were in better shape when they got to San Francisco than when they left from Boston. They gathered back together and said, what did we notice was the difference? And they said, well, the difference with the ice was the ice, the fish were dead and the ice could not, um, um, the ice could not preserve the fish. Well, what happened with the water? They said, well, the problem with the water was that we took the fish out of their natural environment because their natural environment has enemies. They said, well, what happened on the third try? They said, we put the enemies in the water with the fish so the fish could not relax. They were constantly moving around and going around he says, so what we noticed is that whenever we put fish or anything without a natural predator, it will become lethargic and will become unhealthy. Did y'all see what I kind of did with that this morning? Listen to me. Listen, as you read the scriptures, what you will often discover is that God has a different perspective or wisdom than men have. And you would think this, church, with all of our education, experience, ideologies, and thinking, you would think by now that we would have this thing called life figured out, wouldn't you? But it serves as a constant reminder that it is always necessary for you to check your thinking against the thinking of the Word of God. Oftentimes, we become disconnected and the Word of God helps to recalibrate us against the ideologies of the world that often get us off track. You might be here this morning. 
And you might be asking yourself the question, why is he preaching this sermon and why do I need to listen to this sermon? And I would say to you, you have ever asked or asked God the question, why are you allowing me to go through this? Why are you allowing me to experience this? Why are you allowing me to go through this season in my life? Then I need for you to know that this sermon is designed specifically for you because I don't know necessarily you in particular, but I do know that trouble in your life has a way of making you begin to say, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? James seeks to address this issue in the text by giving us three handles to hold on to that we can learn from in this lesson. Number one, James identifies the guarantee of trials. Number two, he identifies the growth of trials. And then thirdly, he identifies the gift of trials. Say it with me now, James identifies the guarantee of trials. Secondarily, James identifies the growth of trials. And thirdly, James identifies the gift of trials. So number one, James gives us a guarantee of trials. James says this, count it all joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kind. Listen, church, I'm sorry to report this morning, but facing trials is not optional. I'm sorry to have to break the bad news to you, but dealing with situations that threaten your faith and your sanity is not optional. James reinforces for us that it is not a matter of if you will face trials, but it rather is a matter of when you will face trials. As strange as that might be, not only is there a guarantee of the trials, but James says also that there should be a guarantee on how you react to the trial. James says that you should learn to respond to your trials with joy. Look carefully. James also makes a subtle claim that you should learn to respond to your trials with joy. And if you're not careful, you will notice and our English translations oftentimes don't really pick this up. But not only does James say that you will face trials, but James also says that your trials might not come one at a time. Let me say that again. James says it's guaranteed that we're going to face trials. He says, but not only are we going to face trials, he says, but there is also no guarantee that your trials will come one at a time. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about right there. What I'm suggesting to you this morning is James says, count it all joy, y'all got that? When you face trials of what? Different kinds. Now, understand different kinds. Different kinds brings about the idea and would suggest that sometimes you're facing trials, but they ain't coming in your life one at a time as if they're waiting in line, waiting for the next one to leave. James says sometimes you got to fight with trials all at the, come on, y'all with me this morning? Listen, listen to what I'm saying. James is saying sometimes in your life you got to be fighting one devil and another devil at, okay, all right, all right, here it is, you ready? You ready? 
you finally got one of your kids right. And as soon as you get that one right, then here come the other one acting crazy. And just about when you get that one right, then your health starts acting up. And then now while your health is acting up, now your marriage is going haywire. And while your marriage is going haywire, now your boss acting crazy at the job. Then finally when you get your boss crazy, you walk outside to your car, your car won't start. That is, that's the idea that sometimes you gotta learn that trials don't wait for the other one to be done with you. Sometimes you can be in one trial and another trial and another trial and another trial all at the same time. It's not that you gotta focus on a trial, you gotta focus on your joy. Come on now church, all right, all right. Why? Because a trial is guaranteed. But you should learn to have a guaranteed response to your guaranteed trial. And the guaranteed response is that I'm going to respond with joy. All right, here it is. Watch this now. So number one, my trials are what? Guaranteed. But then James goes on to say, not only are your trials guaranteed, but your trials will cause you to grow. Amen. So watch it now. He says, count it all joy, my brethren. When you face trials of many kind, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Is that in your Bible? All right, let's work that. The testing of your faith produces endurance. Testing. God allows me to go through testing. Testing. What does it mean I'm being tested? Tested would bring about the idea when something is tested, it's going through a process to determine the quality. Can I say that again? When something is being tested, it's going through a process to determine the quality. Oftentimes on, on Science Channel, don't talk about me, amen, somebody. I'm just, I'm not into the Kardashians and into uh, Ayala Fix My Life, if that's her name, or into Wendy, I ain't into them, all right, amen. Listen, watch the Science Channel, and there's a show on the Science Channel called, y'all ever heard it, How It's Made? And on How It's Made, How It's Made shows you simply how things come from a factory, how they come from raw material into products that have been produced through a process. But what's always interesting to me is the raw material is always the same. And the process is always the same. But when I was watching this one episode that was showing how fishing line is made, they showed how the material that they start with, it's all the same. It all goes through the same process. But when it gets to the end, it goes through what's called testing. That is, they're testing to see if it has the standard of quality 
that they desire it to have. Okay, that didn't get you. Let me help y'all out. Y'all ready? All right, now, I'm sorry, and I know y'all probably got this in your family too, but there's a person in my family that sell bootleg Gucci bags. Now, now sisters, y'all know, amen, amen. Now, now listen, it is hard to tell the difference between an authentic Gucci and a real Gucci. It's hard to tell the difference between a knockoff Gucci and the real Gucci, as long as you are just looking at it. Sisters, y'all gonna help me right here? Because it's something I learned about a knockoff Gucci. You gotta be careful with a knockoff Gucci. You can't put too much. Y'all know it now, amen. Now, now listen, we need some response calls. These sisters are buying knockoff Gucci's. In the <laughs> yeah. But you can't put too much weight inside of it because it's not authentically Gucci. So you gotta watch what you put in it because it was not designed to carry that much weight. But when you get a real Gucci, you can put everything you got in this real Gucci. Y'all, y'all, gotta, y'all, y'all, don't get caught up in the Gucci story. I'm trying to show you that's what James is talking about. James says, here is what God will do. God will allow multiple things to be put inside of you at the same time. Because what God wants to do is test the the quality of what you are made out of. And so oftentimes we're saying to ourselves, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? God, why are you putting me and allowing the devil to make me go through? Listen, God is saying, listen, stop complaining and start being joyful. Because what I'm trying to do is prove to you what you really are made out of. So what does God do? God allows you to go through periods of testing. You ready? Not to hurt you. Not to destroy you. But what God is doing is he wants for you to know the quality. I'm getting, I'm going somewhere else with that, all right? Listen, knowing that the testing of your faith, what does it do? When I'm under pressure, something happens. It gives me something called some staying power. Let me explain that again. It gives me staying power, endurance. What is staying power? Staying power is when you get up under something and you don't run. You stay there. But why am I staying there? I'm staying there because I realize God is using this to make me strong. Amen, somebody. So what do the trials do? The testing I'm going through is designed to make me stronger. And watch this. And let endurance, you stand up under it. Let it have its perfect work that you might be perfect and complete, y'all, y'all gotta help me now. Here it is, you ready? Listen, I remember when, when 
when I was in high school playing basketball. Now, brothers, this one for you. I got the sisters with the purses. Now, this for you, brother. I remember I was a basketball player. I know I looked like a football player. I did not play football. I played basketball, all right? Listen, and I was in a weight room, and we were in there getting it in. We were getting it in, in the weight room, getting it in. Working my arms, working my chest, working my shoulders, I'm getting it in. And the coach looks at me. He said, Ross, come here. He says, I see you working your arms, and I see you working your shoulders, and I see you working your chest. He says, but Ross, do you know how the human body works? He says, do you not know that muscle works upon muscle? Okay, all right. Basketball is about running and jumping. If your entire body is not strong, you can have all the muscles in your chest that you want, but if you have nothing to push off of. So while I was in there just working on my arms and my shoulders and my chest, he identified you need not only to work your upper body, but you need to work your entire body. Y'all get that's the Bible right there. What is God doing to you? God is allowing you to go through these tests because God does not want for you to be an out of shape Christian. That is, some muscles are strong while other muscles are weak. Your top is strong while your bottom is weak. God says, no, I want for you to learn to stay under some weight for a while because it will give you the ability to jump. And that's why some of us are still crawling and not jumping. We're still down here on the ground when God says, I've wanted for you to fly a long time ago, but you will never fly if you only allow God to work on certain parts of your life. God, I want out of this. No, Lord. Uh-uh. No, take me out. Get me out. I want out. God says, you want out? You can get out. But guess what? Just because you get out the test don't mean you ain't got to take it again. Amen, somebody? All right, here it is. You ready? Now, what's something that you can leave here with and phone to? What's something... She's saying amen. I know that's right, baby. No. Ain't nobody else gonna say amen. She got me. Amen, called. All right. Now watch it now. You ready? What's something you can hold on to for you throughout your week? What's something you can grab? Go to Job and let me show you what I'm talking about. Can I show y'all something in Job? I need your permission now. If you don't give me permission, I ain't going. All right, here it is. Look at Job. I want you to look at chapter one. Y'all remember what I talked about? Everything I just talked to you about is right here. Watch it now. Now look at uh, verse number six. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came from among them. The Lord said, from where do you come? Satan answered and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking in, around on it. The Lord said, have you considered Job? For there is no one like him on earth, blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. Satan said, does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hand and possessions and increased the land. But put forth your hand, touch him, uh, and he will curse you to your face. 
The Lord said to Satan, behold, all he has is in your power. Only do not what? Put your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of what? Of the Lord. Now watch the story. Now, the day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking uh, at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came and said, the oxen were plowing and the Sabans attacked them, slew the servants, and I alone have allowed you to escape. Well, you know what? Fine. He killed my oxen. I'm cool with that. While they were speaking, another one came and said, fire fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants that consumed them. And I was, oh, okay, fine. My sheep gone? No problem at all. Cool. I'm good with that. While he was speaking, another one came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. All right, well, that's three gone, but guess what? I'm all right. While he was speaking, he said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they died. And I alone have escaped. Y'all see this? Didn't I tell you what James said? James said, guess what? When you go through testing, it might not come one at a time. You can have testing that come all at. Job, your oxen dead. Job, your sheep dead. Job, now your children. Church, fine, no problem. Lord, you allowed all that to be touched. Guess what? I'm still here. I'm good. I got my health and my strength, and I got my wife. We children. Then Satan goes back to God. Did he serve you for nothing? You didn't let me touch him. God says, you can touch him, but don't kill him. Well, guess what, church? At least I had my health, right? At least I lost my children. I buried them. I lost my oxen. My, I lost everything. But at least I can say I'm healthy. And now God allows my health to be touched. All right, you know what? My health is touched now. Okay, cool. I'm, I, you know what? I'm good with that. But at least I got a woman at home that can encourage me. Then Job's wife tells him, Job, look at you. Why don't you just curse God? Church, do y'all see what I'm talking about? Trouble on every side. You lost everything. Now your health has been touched. Now the woman you depend on has been touched. Church, everything around you goes crazy. But can I just explain this right now? Your pain has a purpose. Write that down. Your pain has a purpose. That is everything you experience, you ain't going through it for nothing. Your pain has a purpose. What do I mean by that? What you will notice throughout the rest of the book of Job is now, and listen, all right, fine. My health gone, my wife's gone crazy, but at least I got the partners at the barbershop. Well, now they went down to the barbershop and they saying, Job, it's your fault. Boy, it's your fault. Well, if you really serve God, this wouldn't have happened to you. How in the world? Would a God that loved you let you go through this? I just don't see how God would let you go through something like this. Job, it's something you done did. Job, what you do? Job, what you do? God don't work like this. He give good to good and bad to bad. Job, it's just how God works. So y'all, your mind start playing tricks on you. But your pain has a purpose. So what do you see? Job's friends begin to blame God. It's God's fault. God, and Job, even... Even now, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, every time it says Job and all this didn't blame God. But then even Job began to say, wait a minute, Lord, what you doing to me? Why are you allowing me to go through what I'm going through? Job, for over 30 chapters, talks and talks and talks. And God listens 
and listens and listens. And then something happens. Go to Job. Listen, listen, here it is. You ready? Go to Job. I want for you to go to, I think it's chapter 28. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. Maybe 38. Yeah, here it is. Job 38.1. You ready? Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you will instruct me. You ready? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Tell me if you have an understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? That's a plumb line. On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together? Or who enclosed us? Do y'all see God? God is saying, wait a minute, before you open up your mouth and begin to question me and what I'm able to do, he said, if you can answer me, I'll answer you. Where in the world were you, Job? And sometimes we need that reminder, don't we? That when we begin to question God, God, why you let mama get touched? Lord, why you let my marriage get touched? Lord, why you let my boss go crazy? Lord, why you let my money get funny? God is saying, where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, well, who are you to question what I allow to happen? And so you see this. And God goes off on Job for three chapters, y'all. He just goes off. And then, listen, Job even gets to the point where Job said, all right, Lord, look, Lord, look, look. I overstepped my bounds. I talked too much. God came right back and said, no, no, no. You want to talk? Let's keep on talking. Amen. All right? But watch this part. Chapter 42. Go there. I want to show y'all something. Why did God let this happen? I need to help y'all. I need to help us. Why did God let this happen? Chapter 42, verse number 1. God finally let Job start talking again. And when he lets Job talk, Job got a new tune about himself. Y'all ready? Then Job answered and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides the counsel of God without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you and instruct, and you will instruct me. Now, y'all ready? Verse five and six is where I want y'all attention to be. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I retract and I repent. Did y'all hear Job? Job says, Lord, these trials have taught me something. God, I thought I knew you. And why did I think I knew you? Because I had heard about you. He says, but God, it's something now I realize. I not only have heard you, but now I can see, amen, I can see you. And church, that's what trials will do to you. We can come in here and read this Bible all we want to, but until the rubber meets the road in your life, 
this is not awakened until it has to be put into practice. And oftentimes we say, I have faith. I have faith in God. I have faith. Yeah, that's because of what you have heard. But can you see him? That is, you want, and listen, 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 listen. Has God ever brought you through? Now, now see, that's about five of you. Let me ask it one more time. Listen, has God ever delivered you from an enemy that was right on your tail? Has God ever, ever, listen, has God ever healed somebody in your family? Has God ever healed your money situation? Has God ever healed your relationship problems? Have God ever healed your children, healed your money, healed your marriage? Is that not enough for you to say, I no longer worship you for what I read about you. I worship you because now I can see you. And God has to get real to us in that way. God has to become real to you. Look at how, at how many hurdles God has allowed you to either go over, under, or around. Is that not enough for you to believe that God is able? But you ready for this? You ready for this? You wonder. Okay, let me say it this way. Mmm. Mm. You ever wonder how, you ever wonder how sometimes somebody gets up, let me say it this way about me. I remember there were times I would hear these great preachers preach, and I'm just going to testify. I used to try to preach their sermons. They sermon got the church all up and excited. And so I said, man, I want to do what they did. And I would try to preach their sermon the way they preached their sermon. But I noticed that I didn't get the same reaction that they got. And I began to wonder, how am I preaching the same thing, the same way, but don't get the same response? It goes like this, very simple, because you ain't been through. See, some people come to church and just sing, I really love the Lord. But there are some times when you can look at a sister or brother's face and you can show no tell, they might can't sing worth nothing, but they really love, they love the Lord. And that tells you that the Lord then brought them through some stuff. So church ain't just for show. This is really what they feel, that Lord, I heard about you but now I can see you. Church, when does that come? That comes when you realize, recognize, acknowledge that God has been the one. And listen, and listen, that's why your praise is the way your praise is. That's why your giving is the way your giving is. That's why your worship is the way your worship is. And can't nobody tell you no different. Can't nobody sit you down when you want to stand up. Can't nobody close your hands when you want to clap your hands because you realize how good God has been to you and look at you now you're stronger than you ever been there's some stuff not listen stuff that almost took you out five years ago if you were to face that same thing again you would say i know the lord will provide amen somebody how does that happen it happens because god gives you some staying power to stay up under some stuff so that when you face other trials in your life you're able to say if god brought me through that 
I thought that was going to take me under. I thought I was done for. I thought my reputation was gone. I thought my marriage was finished. But look at what God can do. And so now when I face my next trial, you know what I'm able to say? Listen, if God brought me through that one, then I don't know how he's going to do it. But I at least know that he's a amen, somebody that he's able. Listen, listen. Your pain has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose that is attached to it. You're going through trial and you're questioning why God, how God, what for God? I don't get it, God. God, why now? Why couldn't it come later? And God is saying, all I want to do is make you stronger. All I want to do is strengthen the material that you're made out of. Listen, can I just, can I just drop this right here? Do you know God can do some great things with messed up material? I'll leave that for another sermon, but I need you to know that. God can do some great stuff with some messed up material. I'll leave that right there. Listen, listen, listen. But the Holy Spirit is working on you now. You know you need prayer. You know, you know, you know right now, you know right now who you are. And you know, I need somebody to pray for me. I almost had this thing under control, and now it seems to have spiraled all out of control again. Relationship was almost back together. Oh, just when my health got right, now all of a sudden, they're talking about laying me off on the job. I mean, oh, I just need somebody to pray for me. Let us pray for you this morning. Let us pray for, to God on your behalf, intercessory prayer, that God might do for you what you're unable to do for yourself. Somebody is saying, Lord, listen, I ain't praying for you to take it from me. Lord, you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for you just to help me stay up under it. Lord, can you just give me the strength to just stay here just a little while longer in your weight room while you're getting me ready for the next battle in my life? Somebody is saying, you're not a Christian. That is, you have not been baptized in water for the remission of your sins, added to the body of Christ, given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, listen, we'll baptize you in water this morning. So what am I saying to you? Listen, you need prayer. You need baptism. Being added to the body of Christ. We want for you to come. I always say this. Listen, you got up this morning and put on your good church clothes. Let me say it one more time. Put on your good church clothes. You've driven all the way over here. Why leave in the same condition you came in? You need prayer? Let's pray this morning. You need for God to work it out like nobody else can work it out? Let's talk to our God this morning. God has you in the weight room because he's trying to make you stronger. So I invite you one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what are you made out of? As we together stand and sing the song that has been chosen by our worship leader. God bless you. We stand and sing together.